Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Welcome back to another week with More Than Amused. My name is Sadie. And I'm Stani, and thanks everyone for being here. We're happy to have all of you here for another week and another historical artist. Yes, I'm very excited to learn more about this artist today. Yes, this is kind of fun because not only am I introducing this week, but we also kind of get to introduce next week's episode mm-hmm. as well. So one day I was on Google on my phone, and for some reason it like pops up with suggestions of like articles you may be interested in or something and well my phone has me down pat my little (laughs) fbi agent is working overtime to keep me engaged i guess giving you all the content you might want and so this is just a couple of days after we had done an the episode on the more than amuse book Mm. by katie mccapp And so I had heard the name Camille Claudel throughout that book. Like we read the chapter on her. We kind of talked about it a little bit in the episode. And then I get this article on Google about Camille Claudel and Britney Spears and how both of them like handled this mental health situation that they both Mm -hmm. had. And I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Immediately sent it to Sadie Yes. Then uh, kind of inspired this whole thing. So today we're going to cover Camille Claudel and her life and her background. And then we've already done an episode on Britney Spears and her career and everything. So then next week we're going to kind of do a broader topic, but talking about this article of like women artists and mental health and kind of like the controlling aspects that happen within those scenarios. Yeah. So I'm very right? excited for that. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. No, I'm really excited, too. This is like providing the context for next week. Yes. So now you're all prepared. And as you listen to this, like, because I had it in the context of kind of comparing it to Britney Spears, a lot of similarities came up that I wasn't expecting at first. And it definitely shows that, like, sexism is a timeless thing. Aw, love that. (laughs) Sexism is so timeless. So timeless. Never goes out of style. (laughs) It really should, though. (laughs) Yeah. That's the issue. (laughs) It is the issue. So it should be a fun couple of episodes here. And um, if you're listening to this one, then I would also highly recommend that you listen to our Britney Spears one and then tune in next week for the comparison on the two. Be a fun way to tie a bunch of episodes together. Yes, I'm so excited. So let's start out with Camille Claudel. So I'm kind of going to skip State of the Arts again. Sorry that I've been kind of lax on that lately, but we're covering a very similar time period again. Um, Mm -hmm. This isn't 19th century technically, but it's leading up to the 19th century. 
So basically, um, the 1860s to very early 19th century. Okay. And it's a lot of the same rules that existed, just even more limits than like 40 years later allowed. It's like women weren't allowed a lot of opportunities and were still pretty much expected to be housewives and mothers. And that was about it. And Camille Claudel was no exception to this. Um, She was born in northern France on the 8th of December in 1864, and she was the first child of a family of farmers and gentry. So her father, Louis Prosper Claudel, he mainly dealt with mortgages and bank bank transactions, and her mother was from a family of Catholic farmers and priests, priests. And I cannot pronounce her mother's name all the way. I am so sorry, everyone. But her name was Louise. So it was Louis and Louise, which is cute. And then they ended up moving from that area in northern France while she was still a baby. And then they were in a different area when her brother, um, Paul Claudel, was born in 1868. And then continued to kind of travel back and forth between the two. From the ages of 5 to 12, Claudel was educated by the Sisters of Christian Doctrine. So it was a Catholic school, I believe. And from a very, very early age, she started to show a huge interest in clay and like sculpting from very, very early which is really cool because it's kind of a similar story to Augusta Savage. Who yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. where like playing in the mud and like the clay is what inspired their art later on in their life. And I love that. So in the book by Katie McCabe, it actually says that Claudel began sculpting at the age of 12. And then curious to see if she had real talent, her father put the question to a neighbor sculptor and friend, Alfred Butcher. He declared the child had something, and so the family got behind her work, moving to Paris so that she could knuckle down and study her craft. Wow. Yeah, which is incredible because opportunities for women within sculpting and the arts in general was very, very limited, as you would expect. And her father was extremely supportive of this. However, her mother didn't approve of her artwork. Interesting. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, she is quoted saying that it was an un- unladylike desire to become an artist, which is kind of sad and kind of goes back to that phenomenon that we talked about of like women were allowed to dabble in the arts, but never allowed to pursue them. Yeah, it's like if someone wanted to like be an artist rather than just like do it for fun on the side, it was like suddenly very looked down on. Yeah. So even though her dad was mainly more supportive than her mother... Um, he had to stay behind to work and support them so that they could move to Paris. And so she moved to Paris with her mother, brother, and younger sister. She ended up studying at the Academy Colorossi. And it was really progressive at the time because unlike a lot of other art academies, they allowed female students at the school and also permitted them to work from nude male models which was completely unheard of at the time. Um, It was considered extremely indecent and basically corrupting the women if they allowed them to study from nude male models. And so it's it's amazing that that was even allowed. And she also was working with that family friend, the sculptor, Alfred Butcher, at that time. 
Um, also during this time, she ended up renting a studio workshop with three other British sculptors who were all women, which was awesome. Um, Jesse Lipscomb, Emily Fawcett, and Amy Singer. And they worked together in the studio and kind of created like their own little women arts club in order to help just share resources and support and everything, especially since like not only was art rare for women, but sculpting was even more rare. That's cool that they like rallied together. I know. I think it's really cool that they were able to do that and just such a fun thing that they were able to support one another. Then she worked with Alfred Butcher for the next couple of years and even created like a bust of him. So Butcher moved to Florence because he got an award. And before he left, he asked August Rodin to take over the instruction of his class. And this kind of started this whole tumultuous love affair that happened between Rodin and Claudel. You have to remember, he was 24 years her senior. So another one of those kind of creepy teacher-student situations that like it's easy to blame on the time period but at the same time was kind of scandalous during that time anyway so it's like yeah just kind of interesting um and what makes it even worse is that Rodin was married the entire time so it's like definitely a power imbalance here yeah but um Claudel kind of became this source of inspiration for him she was his Ah. muse there we go through and through so she acted as his model, his confidant, and his lover, of course. And um, she never lived with him because of his 20-year relationship he had with Rose Beret. So maybe he wasn't married, but he was definitely like in a committed relationship with another woman. This affair obviously agitated her family. Um, so they knew about it. Yeah, they did. They knew about oh. it. And her mother was not thrilled. Um, it's said here that she like detested Claudel for not being a boy as well which is interesting because she had a son but maybe because like she was the firstborn child they like wanted yeah. it to be a boy and of course she was mad at her for being an artist as well so her mom was just not very supportive at yeah, all it sounds like her mom kind of just didn't like her which is very, sad, very sad because like your mom's supposed to like you <laughs> like that's kind of the minimal thing we ask for yeah But yeah, it sounds like her mom was just kind of mad at everything she did. So they were really mad about her affair. Her brother was Catholic, like a very, very devoted Catholic at the time. And so he was like extremely appalled by it. And as a consequence, like she was forced to leave her family home. So I think she ended up staying in like the studio for the most part. She also during this time, though, had the opportunity to serve as a jurist at the National Society of Fine Arts, which is kind of cool because it was a huge boys club. However, going back to kind of that relationship with Rodin, he would write her like these huge, passionate love letters telling her that he couldn't live without her and how death would be better than to be without her and that he didn't love any other woman and that his soul belonged to her. Of course, all the things. Very romantic. <laughs> Except yes. not. <laughs> sucks. Um, and some kind of interesting things that happened at this time is that, like, he, they were collaborating together as well. There was, like, kind of some weird instances that I feel like wouldn't happen in any other art form, but, like, ended up happening here. So the hands and feet of the Burgers of Kalalis by Rodin are thought to be her own work because she was, like, his pupil. 
So he had her like do the hands and feet of the sculpture, which is interesting because then to me it immediately turns it into a collaboration. So it should have been him and her written on the thing. But yeah, I guess that wasn't how it worked. One person was credited. Yeah. And then another thing is that like one of Claudel's bronze sculptures, which was uh, this like bust called Gaganti. Um, it was misattributed to Rodin for many, many years because his signature was scrawled on the neck and that was to drive up the price. So I don't know if like she willingly had him sign it or if that was something that he did because she was like his pupil and he was trying to help her out. It definitely like made it worth more, but it's just kind of an interesting. But still, like, is there a reason why he was able to do that? Yeah. You know, meaning like because he was the mentor and... Exactly. Like, did he take advantage of a situation? Yeah. And also, or just because it's normal doesn't mean it's right and cool. No, I completely agree. And yeah, definitely, like, he was allowed to do it because he was her teacher. Because I feel like if it would have been some random artist, that's kind of weird. It would be like, like, in the early days of her career, Taylor Swift went to Dolly Parton and had her sign copies of her EP. So it was easier for her to sell her EP. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a weird phenomenon it's like i guess that works (laughs) yeah but it's like i don't know how sculpting works like i said maybe that's like something that happens i hope that it doesn't happen more now but but i don't know uh however rodin did like try to help her a lot he like made significant attempts to elevate her career there was like an art critic at the time also who was like very fascinated by her work and he was one of her biggest champions he actually ended up saying that she was a master of her craft and that there was just something that communicated deeper emotion within her work that would be impossible for someone of lesser artistic talent to be able to do. And then another critic even ended up saying that Camille Claudel is without contradiction the single female sculptor upon whose brow sparkles the sign of genius. Wow. Yeah, so she was talked about really well, um, even in comparison to Rodin's work in a few situations. Mm-hmm. They talked about how much better she was than him, which... oh. <laughs> Is interesting. There was one specific moment. Um, Armad Dayot, when he looked at her sculpture of the waltz, he said, Rodin himself could not have studied with more artistic finesse and consciousness the quivering life of muscles and skin. It kind of shows that, like, even though they were constantly being compared to one another, like, people did consider her his equal, but it didn't help in a lot of other scenarios either um sometimes she wouldn't get commissions or funding or other things like that because of the fact that her work was very like intimate and sexual in a lot of ways and people were not happy Mm -hmm. about that another problem was (laughs) during this era um their relationship had started to deteriorate And he kept making all these promises to her that he was going to leave Rose and he was going to marry her and they could be together. Um, And in 1886, she drafted a contract ordering that he renounce other women, bring her on his travels, leave his partner and marry her a year later. So she was saying, like, here's the conditions. If you want to keep sleeping with me in my studio four times a month, then that's what you have to do. And Hmm. he agreed. But. I think when the year was up, it didn't happen because the two never married. He never left Rose and she got sick and tired of his way that he was treating her and ended up ending the relationship. So kind of definitely not like healthy. 
no. relationship at <laughs> <Not quite>. all. <laughs> it's hard. It's one of those like bittersweet things because of her association with Rodin. A lot of her stuff was saved and people were able to pay more attention to her work even during her lifetime. But I don't really think it helped or hurt in a lot of ways. Like it was just kind of what happened i don't want to give credit to him though by being like oh thank goodness she was in that horrible relationship like yeah it's one of those just very strange things about history that it's always like okay but if like she wouldn't have been dating him would we all know her name now and then it's like (laughs) does it matter it sounds like he wasn't that great of a person yeah um yeah so it's just kind of interesting um And this is kind of what entered a new era for Claudel after her relationship with Rodin was over. Um, He still continued to try and help her pursue her career. So he tried to like fund and um, help her out in any way he could because he still really believed in her art, which is nice. However, when she ended up changing up her work a little bit, she did like um, this sculpture called The Mature Age. I'll post a bunch of her work on the Instagram, of course, and probably give better descriptions than I'm giving right now. But he saw it for the first time in 1899, and it said that when he reacted with shock and anger, and after that moment, like, kind of stopped his support for Claudel and might have even put pressure on the Ministry of Fine Arts to cancel her funding for the Bronze Commission. So at sculpting at the time, in order to get something cast in bronze, you had to get permission from the ministry of fine arts and they would like approve it and then you'd be allowed to like create the mold and cast in bronze was it like just because it was such a process and did it like require funding from them in order to do it i have no idea it's such weird. a weird concept i probably need to do more research into no, that but like that's so weird that that would even be a thing yeah and it it wasn't the first time that she had been like told no Um, Actually, her one sculpture that I talked about earlier, the waltz, they got mad because both the man and the woman in it were naked and they thought it was too sexual for a woman who was only 20 years old to have created. And Mm -hmm. so they told her that until she put clothes on them, then they weren't going to let her cast it in bronze. And so she added like kind of some drapery, like think of ancient Greek statues where they have like the cloth that goes over like perfectly over (laughs) the body parts that need to be covered Um, and so she ended up doing that and then they still considered it too sexual and so it was refused so this was like a constant thing for her but for some reason like he really really hated this statue um, called the mature age and what it depicts is like it's an allegory for three different stages of life so you have like a man who represents maturity And he's drawn into the hands of an old woman who represents old age and death. And then the young woman who represents youth tries to save him. So it's like three people standing in succession. So the youngest girl is at the back, like, trying to pull him away. And then the old woman at the front is pulling him towards her. And he's, like, trapped in between. Her brother kind of interpreted it as, like, a break for like no an allegory for her break from Rodin like kind of that she was feeling pulled back but then moving forward like pulled between two life stages I guess mm-hmm. um but it doesn't really explain why he hated it so much um then she also did some other sculptures that I would talk about but you just kind of have to see them so those will be posted <laughs> it's the hard part with visual artwork I could try and describe it to you all but 
of pictures probably just going to help a lot more. (laughs) There is like a lot of comparisons people draw between her work and what it is expressing and her relationship with Rodin as well. So Hmm. that's kind of interesting, though. I don't know if she ever necessarily said that, oh, this is about my relationship or if people just assumed everything was about him. So that was kind of another interesting thing that... As like, if, if that's what she said, like, perfect, we can take their word for it. But if not, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, maybe we can, like, separate something from something from him. Yeah. Especially since, like, they weren't together at this time period at all. Yeah. So, kind of interesting. interesting. Um, Obviously, it's created a lot of debate over time of, like, what Rodin should have done better During all Mm -hmm. of this, a lot of people criticize him for not giving her acknowledgement or support she deserved. But some people argue that he did and that he was doing all that he could to help. And it was just because she was a woman at that time that things didn't work out for her and it had nothing to do with him. But I don't know. It's also usually cast in the situation of her mental health, which we'll get to because people love to use that as an excuse for all sorts of things. However, most modern authors agree that she was an outstanding genius who, starting with wealth, beauty, iron will, and a brilliant future, even before meeting Rodin, was never rewarded um, in the way that she should have been. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Okay, so today I have found a pottery artist. Her, I think it's Lucy Guin, I think. Her, it's l-u-c-y-n-g-u-y-e-n pottery she's an 18 year old virginia potter and um she just has amazing stuff it's all like floral nature just beautiful stuff that she does mugs bowls these are so pretty i know she has an etsy shop that it looks like she'll just kind of stock up every now and then you know and then you can buy out but like I checked her shop and there's currently no items listed her bio says that her shop update as of July 14th is sold out so like and I'm sure it takes so long to create these yeah that's insane she probably makes so many and then they just sell out so fast I know they are stunning though and just like so cute I'm like wow if I could have a kitchen set with that's what I was just thinking like how adorable i want a mug from her now i was like can you imagine having like a set of mugs because the fun part about these is you could buy like all the different floral patterns and they'd like go together Uh uh-huh but they'd all be unique yeah love that i know square plates i know they're so (laughs) i'm obsessed with them so yeah just beautiful work that she does and i'm following her so i can Hopefully, oh, she has these cute little lavender mugs. Oh, I want them. So I've signed up for her so that I can hopefully. Yeah, snag something. Snag something in the future. It looks like she does one like every month or every couple months. She'll do a shop restock. I'm not exactly sure, but it's really, yeah, her stuff is just really cute. And she's posting like often enough. So it's like, okay, cool. She's still active. Still doing stuff. There's still a way I can own one of these one day. And yeah, they're just so cute. That is so cool. I am going to spotlight a singer-songwriter that I found on TikTok. Love TikTok singer-songwriters. I do too. But I always have a hard time when they show a really great song and then it doesn't come out for months. (laughs) 
I know. <laughs> and I get it. I get it. It's the promotion and I understand. But her name is Lauren. And then I was trying to find her Instagram to look at what her last name is. Okay. That's why I was trying to figure out how to say her last name. I think it's like Wine Drop. She has a couple of songs. I've listened to a few of them. They're they're really funny. Um, I feel like she has like a quirky sense of humor in her songs, which is kind of fun. Love that. Okay. Yeah. So she wrote one called Like a Boy, and it's about how you like a guy and then you think he's gay. And then <laughs> and then she was like, yeah, the guy actually did come out as gay. <laughs> so that one was funny. And then um, a couple of others. I haven't listened to any of them like all the way through. I was just watching her TikTok for the clips. But the one that I played is her one that's upcoming. It's called Army. And you know how he was talking about how I just want more like angry girl rock music? Yeah. It kind of fits that vibe. Oh, heck yeah. I'm Which is funny because right she's done like some country in the past. But I feel like all the stuff she's releasing now is kind of like pop rock. Go support a songwriter. Heck yeah. We and love supporting songwriters. All right. Now back to the show. And this is kind of where we get into even more of her family, um, which honestly, they sound like the worst besides her dad. Um, her brother, Paul, was jealous of her genius and kind of conspired a lot with her mother, who was mad at her for her immorality. And then her younger sister was um, mad about her inheritance and jealous of the attention she got and so was kind of mad at her as well Jeez. Uh, yeah so it's just kind of interesting um one relationship that she had that sounds like a pretty positive one actually but is less known and less talked about is she had a relationship with Claude Debussy and he was also an artist and he pursued her and it's unknown whether or not they actually ever became lovers but they were both entangled in some sort of relationship wait is that the musician because i I think it might be claude debussy that you're talking about oh yeah french and he's a french composer yeah okay Mm -hmm. so it's debussy yeah they shared a lot of interests and like childhood and death themes and just kind of got along really well okay um and then claude l ended their relationship for some unknown reason like i've said because he wasn't wrote in no one wrote about this um and he actually wrote down i weep for the disappearance of the dream of this dream and ended up even keeping a copy of her sculpture the waltz in his studio until his death so wow yeah he thought very highly of her and really liked her and cute that he kind of compared their relationship to a dream of a dream. So this is kind of all of her romantic relationships ended around this time and things got kind of crazy. Um, in 1905, she appeared to be mentally ill. Um, I say appeared because we're going <laughs> to, you'll see. Um, she ended up destroying a lot of her statues and would disappear for a long time and then would exhibit signs of paranoia and was even oh. diagnosed as having schizophrenia. She was extremely paranoid about Rodin stealing her ideas, which I feel like can't come from nothing. No. But, uh, yeah, but she became extremely worried about that and even was worried he was going to kill her, which sounds like they had a wonderfully healthy relationship, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, who knows? So. so after her brother returned to China in 1906, she ended up living secluded in her workshop for many years until her father passed away. Um, he actually had been like her only 
left like financial support and protector. And so when he died on March 2nd, 1913, things got bad really fast. Um, she actually wasn't informed of his death at all. Oh. Yeah. And eight days later, at the request of her younger brother, Paul, she was admitted to the psychiatric hospital in France. I don't know. I'm yeah. feeling skeptical here. You know what makes it even worse is that what? Paul Claudel, her brother, was a poet. <laughs> like, he was this artist himself. He was a poet, a dramatist, and a diplomat. Huh. And was actually very famous for verse dramas um, that talked about his devout Catholicism. And he actually, over the course of his lifetime, he was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature in six different years. What? Yeah. It just, I don't know why, but that makes it feel like more of a betrayal that he was like an author and a poet and like an artist in his own right that he like did this to his sister. So the form for the mental hospital actually said that she had been voluntarily committed, but the admission paper was only signed by a doctor and her brother, not herself. And there's records that show that even though she did have mental outbursts and problems, she was clear headed when she was working on her art. And there's records that show over the years that the doctors tried to convince Paul and the mother that Claudel didn't need to be there. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. So modern experts have looked at the records that we do have and have said that she was indeed ill. But being ill, like mentally ill and being institutionalized are obviously two very different things. That is a very huge step. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like... And if you're there, like, without your own consent, and it's, like, put there by your family who's been mistreating you your whole life anyways, it's, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, kind of a mess. Um, In 1914, the whole hospital had a move because they were trying to protect them from advancing German troops. So, she was transferred to a different asylum. So, they have, like, her admittance at that one, too. Mm-hmm. And there it says that she's suffered from systematic persecution, delirium, mostly based upon false interpretations and imagination. Hmm. So I don't know. Like, obviously, she probably had some mental health problems. It sounds yeah. like she did. Like, she destroyed a huge body of her work. Like, she was really worried that Rodin was going to kill her. But, but I mean, the truth is, though, is it's like being in an abusive manipulative relationship like that it does mess with you mentally Mm -hmm. which like and not to say like well of course she was mentally ill but even like it messes with you mentally in the way that like you're still able to function in society you know but like geez like let's just have like moments of compassion Ugh. okay yeah it's even worse because like the press was mad at her family so they would like they got mad at her family and wrote stories about how they had committed a genius into a mental asylum wow and they were really mad about that um her mother forbade her from receiving mail from anyone other than her brother but also like she's an adult like i'm just like how can this happen i have no idea um, the hospital staff regularly told her family that she should be released, and her mother adamantly refused every time. On June 1st, 1920, her physician, Dr. Burnett, sent a letter advising her mother to try to reintegrate her daughter into the family environment, and nothing came of it. And her brother also sounds like a piece of work, because even though he visited her seven times in 30 years, which is not, is not a lot nothing to all. be proud of but yeah. he was the only one who actually visited her her mother never did and <laughs> her sister like, never did obviously they actually weren't interested 
like yeah. they didn't have her best interest in mind no it's very and evident from the moment she was committed he always referred to her in the past tense oh yeah which is disgusting because have you watched a lot of the true crime stuff where they talk about like how if the murderer who knew the person refers to them in the past tense they usually get moved up with the suspect line because that means yeah. they already view them as dead like if someone's like just missing then it's yeah. like obviously if they're doing it in the past tense like there's something there uh-huh exactly so it just like makes it gross that like he was already referring to her in the past tense because it's like ew that means like you already thought of her as dead mm-hmm um, her friend from those early days, her sculptor friend, Jesse Lipscomb, visited her and afterwards insisted to everyone she knew that it was not true that Claudel was insane. And Rodin's friend, Matthias Moorhart, insisted that Paul was a simpleton who had shut away his sister of genius. So obviously no one agreed with what was being done, but because her brother and mother held all of the power, she stayed there. And... It's disgusting because she ended up dying. She lived 30 years in the asylum and um, died on October 19th, 1943. Her brother was informed of his sister's, I think she had a terminal illness. I wasn't told, I couldn't find records of what illness that would have been. But he was informed of that and had crossed the occupied France to try and see her. But he wasn't present for her death or her funeral. Um, her sister didn't make the journey at all, and Claudel was thrown into the communal grave at the asylum. And wow. the part that makes this even worse is that her brother, even though he didn't want to be burdened with her grave, took great pains in choosing his final nesting resting place. He named the exact location that he wanted to be married in this city under a tree next to his grandchildren and what precise words should be written on the stone. And so people can go pay homage to his memory at his noble grave, but of Camille, there's nothing. Um, oh. they, yeah, they've put a plaque like near the communal grave saying that like Camille Claudel once lived here and her remains are somewhere around here, but... Because of, obviously, they weren't very good at marking um, even graves during that time period. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. really know exactly where. And it just makes it even sadder that, like, her remains are only a few steps away from the place where she was forced to be for 30 years. It's just, like, yeah, she, she was there for 30 years. Yeah. And and just, like, the fact that there were doctors that were trying to advocate for her. And, like, also the fact that their family, her family had such rights when it came to this. Yeah. When it was like, it was her life. And like, there were medical professionals. Like, it's so crazy to me that it's not like, like she couldn't just go out and be on her own. You know, like, why did it need to be the family? She was allowed her to leave. Ah, I just, oh, I'm so mad. (laughs) That's why she didn't have a husband and she was a female. So all of it fell on her brother. Oh, I hate it here. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Horrible I know. Sense. I mean, it, it doesn't I, make sense, yeah. but that's but why. But there's an yeah. answer. Okay. <laughs> it's disgusting. Like so, I just feel like I have like the ick feeling. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like I. That, ugh, that's all. I just, well, yeah, I just feel it's icky. A woman being forced to stay in a mental asylum for thirty years against her wishes because she's a female. Like that's pretty much the only reason. Well, it just sounds like her family just didn't like her and was mm-hmm. just like, ugh, we don't want to deal with her. 
It's like, oh, she's crazy. Her here. Yeah, or my okay. crazy sister who had an it, affair and sculpts too art. much for me to deal with. I'm just going to, like, because of her mental health problems, we're just going to shove her into a home. Yeah. What? Like, ugh. It's just disgusting. Anyway, they've done a lot of, like, reparations after her death since then, um, which is nice, but, like, a lot of it just feels kind of empty still. Um, yeah. There is a whole museum for Rodin. <laughs> An entire museum. Nice. Um, and finally, after, like, a couple of years of it being opened, um, there was someone that was like, hey, we need to create a section oh yeah so it was her old admirer Modhart suggested a room at the Roden Museum be dedicated to her work and eventually when opened in 1952 they call it um a literal Claudel annex to a Roden castle well, so obviously like so it's glad nice he gets recognized for ruining this woman's <laughs> life <laughs> yeah so it's like a nice that it happened and that this um art critic that you talked about who was one of her greatest supporters like made that push to be like hey like if you're gonna have a rodent museum like you need to include camille claudel in it but it just still sucks that it's like even in death and even mm-hmm. like and with a lot of advocacy she's still just a footnote in this man's like I said, castle you know she has gotten her own museum since then. They remade over her teenage family home in 2003 mm. and announced the like the Museum of Claudel. So that mu- feels right that yes. her family's home because let's just get them out of the story. Yeah. It's her it's her museum now as it exactly. should be. And they have about half of her surviving 90 works. And from what I read, it looks like they're trying to get more of them. A few of her works are in, like, the Rodin exhibit because she did a lot of work of him. Like, she did busts of him and everything. And she has a lot of busts that she did of her brother as well, which I think are in, like, American literary museums and stuff instead since he's a part of the whole French literature Mm. movement. Mm -hmm. So they're in the process of, like, trying to collect all of her stuff and get it into her museum. Um, also, there has been a ton of plays, movies, um, a ballet, all about Rodin, and thus Camille Claudel is included mm-hmm. in them as well. But, like, only because yeah. there's something about him, not just something about her alone. Agreed. However, in 1988, there was a film that premiered at the 63rd Berlin International Film Festival. Hold on. In 2013... At the 63rd Berlin International Film Festival, they premiered the film Camille Claudel that I think was made in 1988, and it was a dramatization of her life based on historical records. So there have been a few things. Um, There's also a composer, Jeremy Beck, who did a piece called Death of a Little Girl with Doves, and it's an operatic soliloquy for Camille Claudel. Oh, sad. Yeah. And then um, there's been quite a few books about her as well. So she's definitely gaining popularity now. A lot of it is still on the back of Rodin, um, like the ballet Rodin that has <laughs> Camille Claudel involved in it. Well, and at least she's there somewhere. Yeah, a few other scenarios. Um, my favorite thing in this book chapter to close says that 
Claudel was punished for her modernism and her excess of feeling. The surprising sensuality of her sculpture was so real, it terrified the men who could have made her a master of her own time. And that is the tragedy here, not Camille Claudel. Oh, yeah. And I loved that for a lot of reasons, but one of them was, like, when I was um, looking up things about her, so many articles were called, like, the tragedy of Camille Claudel and, oh, the tragic story of Camille Claudel. Yeah. And I think, like... It is sad that she ended up in, like, a mental institution, but it's, like, more important to think about, like, why she was there, that it Mm -hmm. wasn't really any fault of her own. It was, like, the sexism in the system that existed that allowed her brother to do that to her, to, like, have other men, like, completely reject and overlook her work just because they deemed it too sensual for a young woman of her age, to have a teacher literally take advantage of her artistic talents and abilities and manipulate her into staying in a relationship with him despite the fact that he had no intentions of actually like doing anything about it yeah because um, like so there's just such a like it's so and we've talked about this a lot like it's so easy to be like oh well the times were different when it's like yeah maybe but like there's still power play going on here that is like not right and can mess with people no matter what no matter how societally normal it might have been it's not right <laughs> Yeah, and, like, I think what's important with history is even if you look at it, if there's people mad about what's happening even back then, then it shows that, like, it still wasn't okay. Yeah, Like, the doctors were like, she's not insane. Or, like, people would be like, "Ah, I don't know if, like, Rodin's actually helping her or if, like, you know, or if he's not. Like, at the time, there were people who were like, you know, something is not quite right here. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not just, like, in the retrospect of being able to see all the puzzle pieces now. And it's even more sad the fact that, like, she was a genius, like, a proclaimed genius. Everyone said, like, she has talent beyond what you'd expect, like, even beyond Rodin. They think that maybe that's even why maybe he um, might have, like, let the relationship self-destruct or got so mad about that sculpture because he was worried that instead of her being a pupil, she was going to become a competitor. Ooh, and he couldn't yeah. handle that. Mm. So, yeah, it's just there's so much that goes into it. But, like, the fact that there was so much potential there and, like, literally men are the reason why she didn't succeed um, as much as she could have. Just, just the egos. Yeah. Like, fragile, fragile egos. So that is Camille Claudel. Um, and not the tragic story of her, just the story of her. <laughs> that. That just makes me hate the men in her life so much. I know. Her stupid brother. Her stupid mother. I'm like, man, like, yeah. Her dad seemed really great, but he just passed away. What 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 a downer. I mean, like, you said, like, I understand, like, the, I don't know, like, it being problematic to be like, yeah, like, the tragedy of this. But it's just like, dang, like, it just feels so sad of, like, if she didn't have to be 30 years in some institution where she didn't need to be, like, what could have happened? You know, like, what work could have she been produced? And if, like, already so early in her life she was a genius and, like, was being heralded as a genius, like, what could have come after that, you know? I know. It's, like, so much potential. But it's interesting. I'm so, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about it now because I know we're really going to dive into it next week, but, like, just like you said of like there's such connections with her and Britney Spears that I'm just I can just see those connections 
-hmm. and I'm just so excited to jump into it. Uh, Yeah. Like I said, I don't want to have the conversation now because I know we're talking about it in next week's episode, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, just infuriating. I agree. I think it's going to be like a really great comparison between the two and like um, open up the whole concept of like um, female artists and mental health and And like how do we, yeah, yeah, for real. So tune in next week and we'll be talking more about her again, obviously. So now we have a background for Britney Spears. Now we have one for Camille Claudette. That's I said it right, right? Claudel. Claudel. Huh, sorry. Yeah, Camille Claudel. Fine. There we go. Yes. <laughs> so you'll be able to have that comparison. Move right into comparing the two and talking about how their stories are connected through <laughs> sexism and unfairness. <laughs> I love it. Love it when things can connect. Uh, Yeah. And just how they both deserved a lot better, to be honest. A lot better. Well, thanks everyone for being here. Yes. Hope you learned something new. If you've enjoyed any of the episodes from this month, share them on your stories and tag us and you'll be entered into our giveaway to win one of the books we have done so far yes. for our book of the month. We've had a couple people share and we really appreciate it. And it's already helping us grow. We're already seeing that help out. So yeah. And, and the more than a muse book by Katie McCaff that I quoted a ton in this episode is oh, one yeah. of the ones you could win. So kind of ties that even, even better. If some of the stuff I talked about interested you and you want to hear more about more women who, um, had to deal with really lame lovers and husbands then it's the book for you it is the book for you and it is a great read and also just to clarify you don't have to share this episode it can be any episode of ours that you've enjoyed agreed and we've got some great episodes coming up so now is the Mm -hmm. time to share with everyone you know and love everyone you know and love (laughs) yeah so they can Listen to all the upcoming stuff we've got on the way. I know. I'm very excited. Um, Cool. Well, we will talk to you next week. Excited to continue this conversation even more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, enjoy your week. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.